You're listening to Pullin' Weeds Off Course, another installment of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association official podcast with a focus on off-course industry folks and their relationships with superintendents and the Carolinas GCSA. Here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Tim Krieger. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Pulling Weeds Off Course, the official podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. I'm Alan Knight, joined by my main man, Tim Krieger. Howdy. How are you? I'm well. How come every time you get about to the point where you say Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association, you look down and start reading, like from a script? It's uh, the volumes. They have to... I know. I'm looking at it. I'm laughing. It's the knobs, but there's a little LCD screen, and I'm like, I think he's reading the name of the business so he doesn't screw it up. No, I do. After three years, man, come on. I mumble pretty bad, so I concentrate on that part. Well, let's do this um, real quick because he won't let me if it's scripted. So how about a big shout-out to um, Big Al, Alan Knight. Um, I think we're about midway through our third year working together um, on a lot of levels with social media, um, the podcast, as well as some of the videography, um, things that he and his company and his team do. So um, if you get him in, a big shout-out to Al. Um, thanks on behalf of the Carolinas and the golf industry and what you're doing. Well, thank you very much. That was a surprise. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, let's just throw it out there. If you're listening right now and you have any more questions for the Ask Huntoon, throw them in. We can do more. We got a little bit more. Yeah. We got. We may have as much time as we want. Don't be rushing us, yo. And we got to tell about our. There's another podcast you and I are going to be on soon what? on March twenty, March May twenty fourth. I was like, dude, this is almost May. June. I know okay, this is what, May. What are we on? The new SCGA podcast. Your episode. Oh, Hansel. I didn't know. It's yeah. coming out May twenty fourth. May twenty fourth. Where can people listen to me ramble about nothing? You can. <laughs> you can find. <laughs> Uh, on the SCGA Twitter handle, South Carolina Golf Association. They okay, can go and, find it. And you got to make sure when you hit the Google machine and you go SCGA, that's not the Southern California Golf Association. That's folks. right. We'll retweet it when it comes out. Yeah, just go SC Golf and it'll pop up. And then when you see the big palmetto tree with the circle logo around it, then I guess you can find it there. Yep, yep. So what you, did we talk about that day? We uh, we talked about Hap's writing and how you can't read it uh, or it's hard to read it. But we much were nice stuff. to Hap, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. It was Much just, nicer than Hap's ever been to Charlie Reimer. Probably. Although, yeah. yeah. Although what? Huh? Hap and Reimer are good friends. You know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the video of them in the cart riding around some of your first GoPro yeah, work. Was big some of my, yeah, I don't know if I have that anymore. It's somewhere online. It is somewhere. No, it's somewhere. It is somewhere online and it's somewhere at the office out there. Nice. What office out where? SCGA office. And there's some off-the-camera stuff that's really funny that couldn't make air. And that's the South Carolina Golf Association? That is, but why are we plugging them so much this morning afternoon? I was just trying to mention that you've got an episode coming up, and I just happen to be the co-host of that episode. How good did I just do promoting it? That, uh, <laughs> so something about that video that day uh, that we're talking about that GoPro and the camera that was well before the changes in rules of golf. And I remember part of that video is Reimer telling Hap Charlie Reimer telling Hap his ideas for changes to the rules of golf to make it more friendly to the masses. And doggone if some of them didn't happen, you know. It's almost like he was on the uh, the player advisory board or something, you know. Like he had some insider knowledge you he would, was dropping. I mean, he, he was with Golf Channel at the time, but I'm sure you USGA wasn't really listening to the Golf Channel. Yeah, USGA. Great podcast we had with them. Yeah, Hunky. Fun dude. He's a good egg. He's Hunky called me yesterday or a couple of days ago. 
Yeah, you mentioned something about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, um, Charlie Reimer, y'all heard of him? Oh, yeah. You have. Yeah. So here's what I think we ought to do. We ought to promote this podcast with Charlie Reimer um, about him and his new TV show. Yep. Charlie Reimer Show. As hard as he co-promotes pulling weeds on his new TV show. <laughs> All right, Charlie, if you're listening, I hope you're giggling. Fair trade, is that what you're saying? I mean, we're not paying him for this. Yeah. Or did we? Is he the first guest we ever paid? No. As far as you he know. He would accept payment, probably. Oh, heck yeah. He did to speak at our show. Oh, did he? Scheduled That's for 45 right. minutes, gave us 15. Uh, yeah. You brought that up in this interview, I believe. I did. Yeah. I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Charlie, thank you for everything that you do on behalf of the game. Y'all remember, he's just a blue check guy. So if you hear anything crazy, it's his opinion. Um, Big Al and I covered that with the disclaimer at the beginning that it don't get any of us in trouble. But, no, seriously, his respect for superintendents um, and what they do is, is just – it's beyond um, any parallel that I've found from anybody on the Golf Channel yet. So we appreciate him and being local here at the beach. It's, it's always a good thing. So – what do you say we get to it? What else you got? That's it. Let's do it. Here we go. Down at Myrtle Beach with uh, none other than Charlie Reimer. Uh, Mr. Reimer, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I am good. Great to be with you guys. I appreciate you having me on. You two both with your radio voices, I swear. <laughs> Mine's nowhere near it. That's amazing, you guys. I mean, it's just right there at you. All right, Big Al, tell everybody why we've got Mr. Reimer here today. In my opinion, he's a living legend and probably one of my favorite personalities in golf. Uh, one of the funniest guys. Like, there's not many times you're not on, okay? Like, I've seen you talking with five guys in the in the back room. I've seen you talking to 100 people. Uh, <laughs> you're always on. Well, I'd give you a hug and a tongue kiss if we weren't in this <laughs> pandemic. I'm glad to be six feet away from you, though. I can tell you that. Wow. And I'm in between them. talk about It's got me sideways. You know, and the worst part is it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and we're already fired up talking about moonshine. Yeah, moonshine. So, I mean, yeah. here we go. <laughs> well, well, hell, jump right into that, Charlie. What about moonshine in the beach? What are you trying to pull off here? Oh, well, I, I've been here a couple of years now, and, and it's been great. And, and I work for Myrtle Beach Golf Tourism Solutions. And we, we have a, a company formerly known as, as uh, Myrtle Beach Golf Holiday, and it's a it's a – world's largest marketing golf co-op and, and, and it's 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 really cool we have uh 78 member golf courses and uh we've we've got another 100 plus members that, that are the hotels and the package providers and 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 the condo rental people and and uh folks can can find us at playgolfmyrtlebeach.com and and so I'm the ambassador for, for for the company which has been really a lot of fun my, my job is to show the world uh, what what we've got here at Myrtle Beach and and uh, so we we uh, doing all kinds of media you know these this this day and age you know got to have podcasts like this I've got my own podcast and and uh, balls in the air it's called yep. golf term yes, balls in the air yes, if you're teeing off with me at nine o'clock we're not teeing off at nine o one it's balls in the air at, I love it at nine o'clock and and uh, so so that's uh, that's been a lot of fun and then I'm very excited about a, a new show that I've got coming to CBS uh, Sports net uh it starts april 19th and uh, we'll be on at 8 p.m and it's got the best name in the history of names for a television show you guys want to know what what that is yeah. can't wait uh, it's a Char charlie reimer that's, show yeah that's, what I I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one yeah so so we've got uh you know I've, I've got some celebrity interviews i've got golf pros uh on there um I, I do some golf tips i do some cooking tips 
uh, and I'm doing all of this in Myrtle Beach, so so it's a lot of fun doing some interesting things. Uh, got got some lifestyle things on there, and and doing it all from the golf capital of the world right here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And uh, just week before last was really cool. I got to uh, spend an hour with uh, world number one Dustin Johnson. Oh, nice! And uh, so uh, we we've got club car has me set up with a re- really cool uh, vehicle, and I, I hate to even call it a golf car. I mean, the thing is, it's turbo leather digital. It's got everything. <laughs> And it, it's their onward uh, vehicle, and and it's and it's a lot nicer than the cars that my wife and I drive. I can wow. tell you that. But but uh, we get it rigged up with GoPros, and we got drones flying. Got a great crew, and and uh, so, so it was a really cool hour I spent with Dustin Johnson, and and also got an hour with uh, Nick Faldo, uh, w- which was really neat. And he got a little misty on me, a little emotional. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's got him you, reflecting on a few things. So like, really excited about the show. You're like the Barbara Walters of the golf world. Well, I. I, I, mm. I I, I, every now and then I make people cry. Most of the times when I have gas, but sometimes it comes from a question. Um, I don't think I gas, Sir Nick. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> I want to talk about your podcast. I enjoy it. I'm a listener. Yeah. Uh, just had an episode come out, I believe, yesterday with Scott Tomasello. Yep, sure did. Uh, that was cool to hear about the World Golf Amateur Tournament y'all host down here, which is we're at the Heritage Club today, and Jim hosts. You host portions of that, don't you? Yeah, he's over there nodding. Yeah, we use, we use about 50 golf courses for the – World Am, we've had as many as almost 6,000 golfers at, at some points. Most years now we have about 3,500, and and um, it's the world's largest 19th hole after golf. That's right. at the Myrtle Beach Convention Center. And so you have to send you know 3,500 golfers, and you, you got to have an area that's got a lot of courses. And yeah. we, we've got right at 90 and about 70 miles. I think it's probably the only place in the world you can do it. And, and I, I host each night there at the convention center, and – and it's a lot, a lot of fun. The World Am is. Well, I got to jump in real quick. So we keep talking Myrtle Beach, and I mean, you. we'll get I back. Mean, we'll get back to Moonshine in a minute. Oh no, no, no! But yeah. you, you, this isn't where you grew up. Like, did you come back to Myrtle Beach to kind of fulfill a role and whatever? Because it seems like, I mean, you've got a youngster here that you're fishing with, and I see things like that. So I mean, was it family that brought you back, or was it a job, or why Myrtle Beach? Well, because so, we loved having you well, as South Carolinian yeah. taxpayers. Uh, don't well. get me wrong, right? Like. <laughs> golf admissions tax all that matters to what we do well yeah it it isn't you know it's unusual that south carolina is is uh, population wise is not a big state it's it's unusual that we don't have a fortune 500 company based here headquartered here i'm hoping that happens in the future so our number one industry is tourism and golf's a big part of that golf generates a lot of jobs in the state in particular here in in the myrtle beach area and for every uh out-of-towner that comes in in a golf tourism business for every dollar they spend playing golf on the golf course they're between four and five that they spend off the course so it's, it's oh, yeah. a big big part of the economy here but i grew up in south carolina just south of charlotte in fort mill south carolina and uh, graduated from fort mill high school great public school system up there and and went off to georgia tech so i, I played all my junior golf <clears throat> here in south carolina and and i played in the cga events the scga events and so i'm very grateful for what south carolina did for me and providing me number one a great education there at fort mill high school uh, has some wonderful teachers and and then the competitive opportunity i had in the golf programs that we have in the carolinas overall but specifically in south carolina Carolina so that allowed me to earn full scholarship uh, to, to Georgia Tech and and um, while I was in school my family is originally from the Chattanooga area uh, they, they moved back to that area okay. and and so I after 
uh, college and working my way up uh, to the PGA Tour. And, and, and then afterwards, I didn't really have many ties to get me back to visit South Carolina. But over, the, over those years, when I got back into uh, broadcasting or first got back into broadcasting, I, I did quite a bit through Golf Channel here in, in South Carolina. We, we did a show, gosh, it's close to 20 years ago now uh, called Road Trip Myrtle Beach. Oh, yeah. That that was a lot of fun with Mark Bryan from Hooting the Blowfish. That was twenty and, years ago. Yeah, Close fifteen to that. twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and uh, so uh, over the years, I would come up um, as I mentioned, Golf Holiday, which is now Golf Tourism Solutions, uh, that that runs a World Am uh, that you, you were referencing, Scott Thomasella, who runs the tournaments for the World Am. They would have me come up and and host the World Am every year. So I've probably done that close to twenty years. So I, I kept ties okay. here and a lot of friends and. And that sort of thing. And then uh, as Golf Channel was sort of winding down its operation in Orlando and looking at transferring up to Connecticut, um, my talks with them weren't very productive. And at the same time, I had an opportunity to come here to Myrtle Beach. And Bill Golden, who's our president of Golf Tourism Solutions, is a wonderful guy. And he said, let's carve out something where you can be the ambassador uh, for for uh, uh, golf here in Myrtle Beach, you can continue to pursue some of the other things that you want to do, That's but we cool. want you living here and being based here and promoting uh, golf in Myrtle Beach, and and uh, it ended up being a great situation for me, and and I got away from having a daily golf show or being on TV very much, and and that's one of the reasons that I'm very excited about the new show on CBS Sports Network, okay. and and it gets me back in TV because TV's sort of got to be an idiot. To, to be on television. This is what Gary McCord told me when, when I was finishing up my playing career. He, he said, you want to be in TV? I said, I'm not qualified to be in TV. And he said, Charlie, you're an idiot. That qualifies you to be on television. Do you want me to get you some auditions or not? That's great. And, and so that, that's how I got started. But it gets in your blood, and I miss it. But, but uh, this new show, uh, Charlie Reimer Golf Show, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm also a little scared because – uh, my boss, Bill Golden, everything I fought for, he gave me, and I'm like, oh no! So yeah. if, it, if nobody likes it, it's all my fault. I can't blame it on on everybody. It's like it's like you got 20 people come in the house, and you made a big pot of chili, yeah, and and it tastes good to you, right? And and they're about 20 minutes out, and you're going. Hell, I hope somebody else likes it, too. That's where I am with the show right now. I What's can't that, really that change Heineken, it. It is what it is. That Heineken commercial where nobody liked it and the guy said, Yeah, no, 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 no. You didn't have to bring that up. That oh. scares me. I yeah. Was, no. I, well, no, let's talk about the SCGA. You mentioned that. And so it's easy for you to have a passion for golf growing up and playing in the stuff. But the first time I ever remember, you were still on tour. when. So he and I both worked for HAP. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's why, you know, I'm such a big fan because – you were down at the Monday after the Masters because you used to be involved with that mm-hmm. forever. I yeah, I've only missed. I think I've only missed in the history of it the first one, and then one a couple of years ago where I was playing in a in a PGA Tour Champions event. Other than that, I've been at all of them, either playing or broadcasting for one network right. or the other. I'm going after this one then. I told you I was going to. One one of my favorite things about the Monday after the Masters is when Charlie, the year you hosted, kind of took Craig Melvin's spot on that first tee and for the long drive and, as and well, the, and entertained the whole day. Yeah, as people came through, and it's just like he just roasted anybody who walked up. Yeah, I like tea. roasting people. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it was 01 at the Ocean Course. Yep. And we were – there's a couple different things that I remember, but it was the first time you and I had ever met. It was Chris Miller and I who had to set up the range in those mm-hmm. perfect little pyramids. And some guy with a straw hat and purple socks comes walking up and knocks over the, the, 
what we're getting ready to do is the long drive contest and i pipe up and say something to him and you kind of watch the whole thing it turned out to be bill murray yeah (laughs) and so next thing you know i'm resetting the pyramid and that goes on and then something came up about using the facilities Uh uh-huh and you the players were allowed in the clubhouse but you had just come off tour or something and you weren't uh-huh. and they said you had to go to use this and you had a famous quote that i've used a number of times right. about not something, going something along this ass don't touch don't touch plastic is that it <laughs> anything porcelain but, anything but porcelain i think was the quote <laughs> i've heard for i've used that a number of 20 something times i was like let me tell you about the first time yeah, i ever the, met the green this is boxes, what i heard yeah the green boxes with the blue goo in the bottom they're not yeah. any fun <laughs> like they had somebody had pointed yeah. you over that way and you were just like yeah. Dude, it's, I'm not that far removed from being in there, too, okay, or something right, like that. Right. It, it cracked me well, up. That, so. That's one of the things that's interesting about broadcasting. You know, when, when, you're, when you're playing a PGA Tour, it was fun for me when I turned 50 to go play a few events on the Champs Tour. You had a parking lot with my name – or parking space with my name on it, locker, access to the very fine porcelain, yes, you sir. know. Yes, that's it. And, and so when I first started in TV, it's like you park in a field. When I was doing morning drive, you park in a field at 4 a.m., and and if you got if you go, it's going to be plastic. And and I, it took me about eighteen months to get over that the wow. porcelain thing. Yeah. Because if I'd have, if I had kept that policy yeah. up, I'd have probably busted my bowel out a hundred times Gone by septic now. Years yeah. After ago. about after about three or four years in TV, you'll pretty much poop anywhere, wow. and often do. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> takes an idiot. <laughs> so on TV, everything like from from your belly button up looks good yeah. on a remote site. From yeah. your belly button down, you're generally covered in mud. So y'all have been doing Zoom meetings forever. I mean, essentially, right? I mean, like, you don't have to show the bottom half. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. That's what TV is. You know, yeah. I, I would always, uh, if I could, I'd, I'd, I'd wear blue jeans all the time. You know, you just got to, from belly button up, you got to look presentable. Awesome. From belly button down, yeah, it, it could be anything. Well, yeah. we appreciate you being back in South Carolina, I guess, is where I was going with all that, because... We do have strong junior programs. Oh, it's I mean, amazing. And yeah. for you to be able to not only do your part and talk about the beach and tourism, which all matters to us, but, you know, you mentioned jobs. There's like 36,000 jobs was our latest update. Mm-hmm. It's hundreds of millions of dollars that goes back to the general fund through those admissions taxes, like you talk about, the 4 to $5 on top of every dollar spent on the golf course along the Grand Strand area. And so how did COVID affect the World Am last year? Had to have been rough. Did you lose some players? Were you able to pull it off? Well, thank you for the question. It's a great, it's a great question. But I, I think the whole the whole golf industry you know, when when it the lockdown came it was like, oh my goodness, you know, we're all. I mean, is the country, the world? How how are we going to deal with this? And and so um, the, the the first answer to the question is here in South Carolina, we we fought to have people be able to come out and play and play golf. Oh, we worked and, hard to keep the game open. Right, yes, right. Sir. and and it, and it was tough, you know, because nobody, the politicians want to do what's right. You got you got health, you got business, you got all Essential these things. And, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but thankfully, well, you can. Yeah. Charlie <laughs> Roundtree's our lobbyist. We pay him, so if you want to go down that road or tell any Roundtree stories, Roundtree. feel free. So but he, he was instrumental in that. But you know, we oh, yeah. had to keep the business alive. Correct. And and so as an industry here in South Carolina and and throughout the whole country and it hasn't been this way in other parts of the world, uh, we 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 became COVID compliant. We we made golf work in the pandemic. Correct. And and so I think I think big picture it was really cool for people ra- rather than um, trying to figure out you know how, how to go across town or across a country. To, to get some kind of recreation, they started looking at the resources closest to them. And for many people, that was golf. It was the only chance to get outside. 
and and start walking again and and really I, I call it falling in love with golf all over again and that was triggered by the pandemic so the industry as a whole had to change and did a marvelous job with that and now and I, I, I had to pay i had to COVID. it almost killed me yeah. and and i recently been been vaccinated i'm due for my second shot here in a couple of weeks i gotta do that but as more and more people get that you'll get confidence and the 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 golf industry will shift back to normal more normal footing i don't think it'll ever be normal again but more normal and and i i think a lot of them the the um number of golfers, the number of rounds played, the equipment ball, all of that. I don't think we're going to stay where we were in 2020. But listen, people aren't going out and buying all this golf equipment and putting it in their garage and not playing. Correct. We're, we're going to see a bump that's going to last long term in this yeah. industry. And it's wonderful. And everybody had to adapt. And and going into the World Am, there was a lot of discussion, a lot of different scenarios over, you know, can we do this? Should we do this? Well, because it was right at the time where we battled daily unknowns and yep. what we knew on Tuesday changed on Wednesday exactly so to make anything with those type people numbers coming from everywhere I just can't fathom that level of planning exactly and so there was uh, the folks at Golf Tourism Solutions that are a lot smarter than me and there's <laughs> pretty much everybody over there is but 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 Bill Golden our president Scott Tomasello who, who runs all the events you know, they, they looked at every scenario and and Bill representing all the golf courses here or 78 of them you know he, part of his job is being tied into what's going on in Columbia and, and oh, yeah. making sure that we're compliant with with the current uh, regulations and and so they, they were um, yeah, I, I don't remember the exact go no go date but the logistics of trying to get uh, 3,500 people and the number ended up being a little closer to 2,000 than it was yeah, 3,500 and making still. sure everybody's comfortable and all that it involved number one going to all the facilities and making sure that they're COVID compliant that they had a, a, a game plan to deal with so everybody got single cart you single know, now rider carts yeah, now we're yep. back in double cart yep. and it was contactless and and what we did with uh, with the the um, the world's largest 19th hole, we we, uh, we couldn't get 2,000 people to come to the convention center Correct. every night. So uh, with, with with our crew, uh, our media crew, uh, I went out with our camera guys and our editor, and and we basically put together a virtual. 19th hole and so it was a lot of fun everybody every night would 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 get sort of a recap of the day and we tried to have some interviews and some compelling content and that sort of stuff and 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 uh, doing all of that uh and making everybody feel comfortable was something that that the tremendous number of people did a wonderful job in pulling it off and and we did it very safely and and uh, wrapping the the tournament it was pretty cool that we got it done but uh, as we wrapped it last year in august uh, we were really spinning it to 2021 knowing that 2021 is going to be very different than 2020 so i'm hoping a lot of the folks that 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 wanted to come last year couldn't get here uh will be back this year and i'm betting our numbers for the world am maybe not maybe not record numbers but they're going to be big numbers because every event that we do now fills up automatically that's whether we're doing it here in in myrtle beach for golf tourism solutions all the events that we're doing they fill up so quick and talking to the scga the cga yeah people are wanting to get out and play events and it's great for golf the biggest problem is how do we accommodate everybody when these events fill up we're having to add golf courses to events you know we'll have more juniors sign up for a junior event than we can accommodate and and so we're going and, and we're taking the kids that spill over and saying well still come on and play when we'll do a secondary event 
and the secondary events are growing. So we're, we're going to have a lot of great problems in golf in 2021 <laughs> and beyond. And, and I'm really looking forward to, to figuring it out because the set of problems we have now are very different than the set of problems we had in 18, 19. And, and uh, so I'm very bullish on where we are with golf right now. That's, we are, too. That sounds like a man who needs to be running for the District 10 director of the Carolinas PGA. <laughs> well, that's great. I wish you would because we work like Jeff Abbott, myself, um, Patricia Calder, uh, David Norman, Terry Sedalek for the owners, and then Jack Nance and Biff and all. So we've got South Carolina Golf Council, North Carolina Golf Alliance, where, I mean, I guess the reason I brought up the world am was to kind of lead into the convention center because we have a conference and show there as a mm-hmm. superintendent's association every year the largest regional superintendent show which you have come and spoke at mm-hmm. i want to say 2010 maybe um we flew in for a keynote address there in november and we're going to go back this year um we That's had to great. skip completely last year we had yeah. to go to a virtual platform yeah virtual platforms really stink don't they <laughs> They're not the easiest thing to do, but um, I will say that we were rather successful. We probably covered a third of what we normally would have done for the association yeah, um, virtually, but we're excited to bring people back because our golf tournament, none like yours, we'll have 350 players. We'll play Caledonia, True Blue, and Wachesaw, Sporting Clays as well down at um, Backwoods, and then you know a couple thousand attendees yeah but and, and of course having all the you know superintendent types in town for that the beer sales go right through the roof <laughs> oh my gosh yeah the so. one thing we always tell everywhere we go is it look it's it sounds simple but there's three basic brands and you need to just have a lot of cases of those. <laughs> i mean just be prepared um but we do clean up after ourselves yeah, well we will good. say that you don't uh, find a lot of overflowing trash cans at our events yeah right? i'm sure I mean, you repair your ball marks too so uh, that's great we do uh-huh. we do and i'm glad to see you're a big fan of taking care of that too i think i saw something out on the Twitter machine the other day with a picture behind the divot, like the ball's view of the pitch mark or something. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty good one. Somebody put a camera on the ground. So, nice. Um, but yeah, Carolina's PGA section. So, you're going to get involved? Well, so uh, there was actually already an election. I-, I was involved in the North Florida section and served as an officer there when I came up to, to Myrtle Beach and, and um, sort of waited a little while to see if I had, would there would be an opportunity. Uh, to, to serve. It's such a large section. I'm getting a little old. It's sort of hard to start at the bottom and, and work your way from the top. And it's about 2,200 members in the Carolina section. It's the largest of the 41. So there was an opportunity to run for District 10 director, which had been a spot on the uh, PGA uh, National Board of Directors and uh, would have represented uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky, parts of uh, Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia, uh, and and I and I ran for the position. I didn't win. Um, huh. Great candidate won. Page Crib won, and Page uh-huh. has served as yeah. uh, all through the chairs, including president of the of the Carolina section. And she's a great friend. She's a wonderful candidate, she and is. she'll she'll do a great job. Having said that, I didn't like losing. She wouldn't have liked <laughs> losing if she lost. But um, I, I'm not real sure. Uh, what what uh, I might do moving forward other than the process allowed me to introduce myself to the board members and key professionals in the Carolinas and I've been friends with Paige for a long time and I'm available to help in any way that I can uh, but uh, um, unfortunately I won't be serving as District 10 director and gotcha. I think it's another six or eight years till that comes up so I gave it a shot didn't work out and, right. and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on but uh, I'm very happy to help the game in any any place I can. That's I think that's where we're at as former employees. It's still, it's, I mean, we get paid, but there's a lot of volunteer time and giving back. And I think that 
we, our role, maybe even you, is to remind some of those golfers out there that it's okay to give back, whether it's donating to the junior programs, financially volunteering, rules official, giving your time, you know, as a shuttle at kids' events, any of those type things. But just as a golfer, don't lose sight of maybe your obligation to be a, a, a part-time caretaker of the game too. There's no way uh, people who are involved in this game, whether professionally or, or as serious amateurs, or there's a lot of people out there that are, that are golfers that love this game. Uh, they, they might they might not be competitive, um, but but they they just love the game. They're involved, and there's no way that you ever um, can give as much back to the game as you got from it. Without and, question, and and as much as anything, the the relationships that you develop. Uh, I, I always tell people, you know, I, I hadn't met a whole lot of jerks in my life, but the ones that I have met, they they don't play golf. I want to suggest to any of our listeners to go back and, and to go to the South Carolina Golf Association YouTube channel and look up Charlie's induction to the South Carolina Golf Hall of Fame. I Don't there. do it. I cried. Don't do it. I that, was there. You, yeah. That was like a 30-minute roast where you just kind of went around the room and, and picked them out. And like hearing Susu stories about the Paul Mall smoker with the, the roof lining. <laughs> tell, tell, tell everybody about that real quick. Go driving back forth to Lexington. Uh, yeah, it was uh, you know it was a different time. Uh, Susu, my grandmother, she she lived in the house uh, when I was growing up, and I woke up every morning about five thirty. Um, that's when the Paul Mall started going, you know. And you you can't if you're in a house smoking unfiltered Paul Malls, you can't get far enough away, <laughs> wow. you know, from everybody where you don't smell it. And uh, and uh, the fun time with her was four thirty p.m. That's when the Ancient Age and Seven Up started, and. Uh-huh. Uh, she was always cold, and she had this, like, uh, fur coat with these, um, you know, have you ever seen a fox stole? You know, it's like like stuffed foxes, you know. There's, like, six of them, and they're, it's like tail biting the – or mouth biting the tail. And she yeah. would sit in a rocking chair smoking at Paul Mall, uh, <laughs> drinking that ancient age with a cackle of, like, yeah. And this is your grandmother. <laughs> My grandmother, Susu. God bless her. She uh. was – she was the best, and uh, but but anyway, that that's where I grew up. Grew up there at Tika K, and she she was in the house with us a lot. But but from Tika K to Lexington, you had to go through Columbia, and and I was 15, and at the time in South Carolina, I don't know what it is now, but you could you could get your permit to drive during the day two weeks after your 15th birthday. Yeah. And and I inherited Susu's car, which was about a 1970 Buick LeSabre with about a 20 foot uh, CB. Uh, antenna on the back of it had a big I had a big bumper sticker on the back said Yankee go home <laughs> and you couldn't put anything in the trunk because if it rained to get about three feet of, of water in there but I, I my first South Carolina uh, junior that I won SCGA junior I commuted from Tiga K to Lexington every day to, wow. to go play in that event because that's three rounds then yeah. right yeah three oh rounds. wow so, plus a practice round oh so uh, it, it and was, this would have been when the clubhouse was the trailer right like the little no, shed well, looking thing. Well, it was a clubhouse at Lexington, but it was a fa- it was the fastest greens I'd ever seen. Okay, and and the green that came back to the clubhouse. I hadn't been there since I was seventeen. I need to go by there, uh, but but um, the green number four, I believe, that came back to the clubhouse it was a pretty yeah. good sized green. Is a slope five. from back to front five. It yeah. came back to the clubhouse, yeah. and that green was like four putt city, you know. And and I remember remember winning there. I beat I beat this kid uh, from Orangeburg. 
uh, two years older than me, Jason Griffin, the left-hander, okay. and uh, Vic, Vic Lip, Lipscomb, who is a member of the South Carolina Golf Hall of Fame, um, great professional. He Vic he was he taught um, he taught Jason down at Orangeburg, and Jason ended up playing really good golf at Clemson. I still keep in touch with Jason, but there wasn't any way I was supposed to beat Jason, but somehow I beat him in a playoff. But you know, it was fun. You remember those days, and I, I celebrated by taking that 1970 Buick Lesabre through a Taco Bell drive-through up in Columbia, like on uh, Broad River Road or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's funny how how you remember that that sort of stuff. But that that was pretty cool. And before I left to go to that tournament. My dad said, uh, he said, you're going back and forth every day this week to Lexington to play a golf tournament. I said, yes, sir. He said, it sure gets expensive. And I said, yes, sir. So when I came home uh, with that trophy, uh, they, and they didn't, I mean, I didn't have any way to call them. Right, right. You know, so I, I won. I rode home with a trophy in the front seat. And, um, <laughs> you know, I pull in the pull it around back. And I go in. And and uh, I walk in. They're like, "How'd you do?" And I said, "How you think I did?" You know, I got this big trophy. <laughs> they were one, big one too. One of the few trophies I ke- yeah, I still have those trophies. And and I, I wasn't much on keeping trophies, but I have those three. That's cool. And he and he said, um, he said, "You go ahead and play as many of those golf tournaments as you want. It doesn't matter how much it costs." Nice, so, great. But I, you know, those are those are fun. Those are great times, you know. And and uh, it, for me, when I come back to South Carolina, a lot of times when I'm driving through the state, I'll go different routes and I'll run through a little, you know, a little town. I went through Mullins, South Carolina the other yeah. day, and I, I can remember playing a state high school championship there. And, and I was like in the seventh grade and we got dusted. And then and I remember going through Bamberg over near the, 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 the nuclear facility. And I remember playing there and we dusted everybody. So uh, That's great. it's fun Paul for Paul. me coming back. Right? Every, every little town I go through, not every little town, but a lot of little towns, a, a memory will come back. And, and so it, it's just fun being back in a place where you grew up and you love. We're lucky to have you as an ambassador. I can tell you that because, you know, we're passionate about junior golf and giving back and superintendents and things of that nature. But to have somebody that's got the reach, you know, the breadth of an audience that's more so not so Carolina-centric, I think it's things like that that just continue to drive our tourism. You know, like Bill's a smart guy. We all know that. That's why he's continued to grow and thrive in that role that he has with you all. I think there may even be some talk of him and maybe even Charles Warren getting involved with the SCGA board. Yeah, um, I think Bill yeah. just got on the SCGA board. Yep. Yeah. yeah, which so, would be – I mean, those, Charles Warren, he's a smart cat. Uh, oh, yeah. was a wonderful player at Clemson and, and – um, Rick got his heart in the right place, and and a really neat guy. So I don't know that Charles is on the SCGA board, but I'd love to see him get on there. He is, yeah. They, him, Bill came on at the same time. Great. Yeah, yeah. I think the future's looking pretty good um, for the state of South Carolina golf as a whole. Like you say, I mean, we're we're going to move through the COVID challenges, but the the Carolinas, um, our CMAA chapter, the club managers, is just similar to the PGA structure. I want to ask one before we get into the superintendent world too much ask one more question about whitey adams with our listeners our listeners aren't aware of whitey adams uh these are superintendents from around the country sure so share some good whitey adams stories well what whitey adams um is is a man who lives in rock hill south carolina and he loves golf more than anybody i've ever been around in my life and uh, he 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 uh, went to school at elon and um his son randy is a heck of a player randy's involved in junior golf in south carolina uh, randy's been on the board of the south carolina junior golf foundation yep. and randy's son zach is a heck of a player i believe he's yeah. going to play in college golf i'm not sure oh, where yeah. zach's going but 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 whitey um what was a professional uh back in rock hill way back in the day you know like in the late 1800s that yeah. <laughs> that kind of guy and 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 he was 
the first really good golfer that I ever played golf with and spent some time with. Okay. And, and Randy and I are the same age, and, and they, they, they were at Rock Hill. In fact, Whitey still lives at Rock Hill Country Club. Randy yeah. lives in Charleston now. But he, he would come out to Tiga K, and we'd play these gambling matches, and he'd have this cool little shag bag, and he'd get in a bunker down there at Tiga K, and we'd hit bunker shots. And, and to this day, watching him hit bunker shots was one of the fun, most fun things I ever did. And it's probably my favorite thing about golf. If, 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 bunker it's shots. Like, yeah, you, you know, golf's 100 games in one. And if somebody said, well, you can only play one of the 100 games that's in golf. What would you do? I'd pick bunker play. I, yeah. I just – I love it. But he was a great bunker player. But but we'd play these matches out at Tiga K. And probably wasn't the most wholesome thing in the world. But <laughs> we'd, we'd always have uh, – it was a different time, you know. And, and there was a couple of bookies in the area. And, and we'd, we'd get out and play. And we'd have these matches. And I was, you know, like the 12-, 13-year-old kid that had, like, mustard on the shirt. You know, and I'd and have, like – you tell what I've eaten during the day by looking at my shirt. And most days it was grape soda. So I'd have a little purple, have mustard on the other side. Right, and, right. you know, we, we had the – God, this is the best, the best thing ever. You walk in a pro shop, and this I hope the club managers are listening to this, the hot dog machine where the wieners go clickety-clack yeah. round and round, and there's a steamer on top yeah, where the buns, the buns are, oh, yeah. and there's chili that's been sitting out in a little crock pot for three weeks. Now, that's life right there. That's fine dining. But that's, you know, that, that's, what, that's where I grew up. But the, the first time that um, I broke 70 in my life, I was at TGK, and I think I was 12 and and it was me and my dad, who's lifetime seven handicap. I wish he'd have sandbagged a little bit, but he was <laughs> a seven handicap. We were playing a local bookie named Vic, who's not with us anymore. He used to own a pizza joint right outside of Tiga K, and that that was a happening place to get up there and play asteroids on a Friday night right, and have right. pizza. And Whitey wow. Adams was his pro, so my dad and I were playing Vic and Whitey Adams, and and. Um, I shot 68 at Tiga K. I'd never, I'd never broken 70, and and it's, it's one of the ways that I think I got competitive early on was getting in these golf matches, and it wasn't like I was covering my side. I just right. get a little, you know, I get a little cut. But my dad had to peel off about 450 dollars in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, those two guys took off, and my dad looked at me, and and you know I think Whitey probably shot 66 that day. Yeah. And my dad looks at me and he says, um, you're just going to have to practice harder. We can't afford to lose money like this every Saturday. <laughs> and I said, Dad, I'm 12 years old. I shot 68. I've never broken 70 in my life. I shot 68 today. Right. Don't you think maybe you need to learn how to bet a little better? <laughs> <laughs> And and every yeah. time I see Whitey Adams, I think about that oh, that day, great. that story. And and I, I thought I was going to get a belt whipping in the parking lot wow. for losing the 450, and I'd shot 68. I want to contest that he is blind. Whitey is blind. He is. That's the other thing is so so. Not only did I shoot 60, and this is my dad. I, I, you know, when we get together, I'll bring the story up. Right. You know, he thinks he's like a betting genius. I'm like, Dad, I. <laughs> It was a blind man, legally blind. He couldn't drive to the golf course. Right. And and the bookie only had eight and a half fingers. <laughs> yeah. And I shot 68, and we still lost. Right. So right. who needs to practice on golf and betting? Yeah. I've, yeah. Got, I've got video of Whitey. I've got him hitting a softball. Well, Randy was telling him when to swing. I've got him playing ping pong. And then at Rock Hill in the tournament, I, I have video of him driving a golf cart about 150 yards up to where his 
you know, and I was like, Whitey, I don't think you're blind. I think you're fooling everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, last time I played with him was at Rock Hill, and he and he probably plays golf at Rock Hill every day. Yeah. And and to, still to this day, and and he walks and carries his bag, and he know, he knows exactly where he is on the golf course. Have you ever heard the story about him missing at night one time? Well, he goes over and hit, hits balls at yeah. night because he doesn't sleep very well. Well, the moon was so bright, he thought it was morning time. And yeah. his wife woke up, and Joan, it was like 4 in the morning, where's, where he was missing, but he was hitting balls. He was hitting balls. Yeah. But he knew, he knew every inch of that <laughs> golf course. And the only thing he would do was uh, when he hit in a bunker, he, would, he had a, a ball that he had painted black, and he would use that because otherwise he okay. couldn't. You know, he, so I think he can see some big images. Yeah, yeah. He knows where he is. But it, 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 the disease that he had was degenerative, and it took a long time to, yeah. for him to get to where, uh, um, where you re- really can't see it all. But, but uh, he, he and I haven't met his dog, but he's got see an eye dog. Came Hap. down to name Hap. Yeah, he came down to the Tampa area and and spent I think two or three weeks training and all of that. Yeah. But he's one of the most delightful people. I've never heard him be negative. We knew he was losing his sight, and he's just positive, upbeat, funny. And as I mentioned before, we started talking. Loves golf more than anybody I've ever met in my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. always carries Buckeyes in his pocket, and will give you one. I have one yeah. in my car that he gave me. I keep in my center console. Will you um? You think he'll call his next dog Biff? Well, the dog was named Hap before he got it. <laughs> oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Although it was, I have a picture of Hap and Hap and, and Whitey together, the dog, the human. That's great. Yeah. Uh, any good Hap Lathrop stories from you? Yeah, Hap. Uh, <laughs> God bless Hap Lathrop. I love him. Uh, I still catch up with him when I can. In fact, he texted me uh, two or three weeks ago, and, and Biff is doing a wonderful job of uh, ca- carrying the mantle um, and, and – um, it, it is really neat to see you know, Hap turn over the reins to Biff. Biff's doing a wonderful job. But, but Hap, um, I, it might have been the first year we played the South Carolina-Georgia junior team matches. And, and we were going to the Atlanta Athletic Club, and, and it was whatever day it was, a Monday, we were supposed to meet at uh, the Ramada Inn uh, on Broad River Road there in Columbia, not far from that Taco Bell I told you yeah. all about earlier. <laughs> I went through the drive-thru to celebrate. And the Ramada and I there. I have both been to both know, of those places. Yeah, this is so long ago where Ramada was like a, you know, a five-star. But it had a, what do you call it out front, porta cochet out yep. front. Mm-hmm. And, and Hap had borrowed this um, um, very nice RV, you know, like the urban assault vehicle in Stripes. And and so he's got however many on the team, eight of us kids, and uh, a captain, assistant captain, the sommelier. <laughs> it's probably Roundtree's dad. Yeah, it might have been Mr. Roundtree yeah, that was yeah. there. So yeah. we're going to Atlanta to play the Atlanta Athletic Club against the best that Georgia has to offer. And, of course, Hap's running late. And here we are, you know, junior golfers, parents lined up in front of the Ramada, and Hap comes running through there under that porta cochet in that urban assault vehicle. Boom! There goes AC Unit One. Boom! There goes AC Unit Two. Rip right off the back of that thing, and uh, Hap, I didn't even hear it. You know how y'all doing? We're doing good, but this is gonna be a tough drive with those AC units laying down. He's like, "What? What happened?" So he sent somebody to go get some blue tarps because it was gonna storm that day. And so here we go to Atlanta from Columbia with two gaping holes in the top of that thing, and they got tarps up there. And of course, the tarps don't stay on top, right. so it was wet as it could be in the back of that thing. We needed a bilge pump in there by yeah, the time yeah. we got to 
to Atlanta. Had but, you heard uh, that before? That was in his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah sorry okay, to repeat okay. myself. Yeah, that's the best Hap Latham story I know. Well, you also talked about whenever they would hit the brakes, the water would come in and just douse uh, yeah, them. Yeah, and it got cold. Yeah. You know, it was it was tragic. Uh, it's a wonder all great. of us aren't seriously warped from that three days or four days with Hap. How about uh, your interactions with superintendents over your entire career? What's that been like from your playing days to your TV days to, to where we are now, which is still TV days? But. Well, uh, I, I've always spent some time with superintendents because I always thought that uh, spending time with superintendents, you, you know, you'd learn as much as you could about the surface that you play on. And, and probably the superintendent I spent the most time with was David Stone at, at the honors course in Chattanooga. Oh, wow. and, and One of the um, best. I've been very fortunate to be a member of the honors course there since 1989. They let me join before I finished up Georgia Tech, and I almost didn't finish up because of that, because I could wake up in the morning in Atlanta and drive to Chattanooga and play golf and, and come home with about $750 in my pocket, or I could go to class. So I wasn't going to make 750 in class that day. That's but. Uh, it, it was really um, an honor that they, they allowed me to join the club there. It was a, sp- a special place for me. And what was the theory behind having you join at that age? Well, they they um, they were looking for some young players because the honors course is, is set up. He could pay to, cash for the initiation fee. <laughs> okay. Well, what was interesting is the honors course is set up to, to host major amateur events. And so right right now we've had seven USGA championships, uh, and then between now and 2031 we'll have uh, a U.S. Women's Amateur, U.S. Senior Amateur, and in 2031 we'll have our second U.S. Amateur, which will be network television. Nice. And we've also hosted two NCAA championships. So so it, it, it's set up for better players. If you if you're not a 10 handicap, you don't need to be a member there because you're not going to have any fun. I guess. And, and in fact, Gil Hans is coming in. And, and reworking the golf course right now to the extent that we're doing we're taking up we're taking up all the turf uh, putting in brand new irrigation irrigation's been there since 1984 we were the first in the south to go with zoysia uh, they're replacing that with a new zeon zoysia but we're having to do some things uh, to, to relocate the, the fairway lines because as you guys know when you set zoysia you can't have a year where you got a USGA championship and bring it in because right. you got Bermuda in the rough and Zoysia fairways. So our, our um, fairway lines need to be changed. We'd gotten some encroachment, uh, for example, between the Zoysia fairways and fairway bunkers where initially those bunkers were right right on the edge of the fairway. And now, you know, a lot of places, seven, eight, ten yards. Yeah. And, and so Gil, and looking at his master plan, has been really great. It's, it's sort of shifted the fairways of where the fairway bunkers are in play. And then you also have to adjust the carries on uh, on some of the fairway bunkers. You know, most of them are in the back tee, been a 300-yard carry. That doesn't get it done these days. You know, you need 325-yard carry really? on some of your bunkers. But but uh, we're, when we get finished, they're going to resurface the greens uh, change everything out, and they're they're sand capping the whole golf course. It's going to be uh, what it was when it opened in the mid '80s, which is the latest and greatest in technology and turf. And it's still going to be a Pete Dye golf course. Gill isn't switching it over to a Gill Hance golf course. Right. He's operating the structure we have. But but the the reason they let me join is they they wanted some good young players, and and uh, it was. Um, my dad paid the initiation. It was five thousand dollars, and my dues—I had to pay my dues. My dues were a hundred and twenty-six dollars a month, and and so that—that's what it was when I joined. And now you can add 
quite yeah. a few zeros right. to a lot of that. So it, <laughs> it's been a really special place, and and we got we talk about relationships. A lot of the members there, you know, lifelong friends. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of younger members there now, and there's a big waiting list and 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 all that. But it, it, it's just a re- really special place to me. And and I was born about 25 minutes from there, and my family is all from that area. So when I okay. go home, I'll stay in a cabin there and. And or go back and visit. I'll stay in a cabin, and and uh, so between living here in the state I grew up in, and then having the place I was born, where my family is, a, sort of a second place to get to. It's a, it's it's been a really good situation for me. But but David Stone was the superintendent there from Grow In until he retired. Uh, it's been two or three years ago. Two years ago, very well respected, obviously in the industry, <clears throat> and on rainy days. I would go in and sit and talk with David and, and a wonderful sense of humor. But he was a cutting-edge superintendent in a lot of ways and that he, he hates airification and verticutting and all of that. And he would do everything he could to not airify. Most, most, of, most of these superintendents, you guys like to punch everything. Answer to everything is, well, either you got nematodes, which I'll get into at some other point. Uh, <laughs> ask a superintendent, why isn't there grass there? Uh, well, there's nematodes. Okay, so it's an invisible critter that you can't see that eats grass. Seems a little convenient to me. Uh, or we I've need to airify, right? Well, the green, we just got, it's been cold all winter, and the greens have been great. Now we want to play golf, and you go punch holes in them. Right. But I know you have to. But David tried every which way he, he could not to. In fact, he had a, in his nursery there out, out behind his office, he'd have he had six or seven greens, and some of them were never airified. And I, I'd go out there, and 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 he'd let me practice. That's where I'd work on my short game, and and uh, but just great conversations with David, learning about grass and learning about what superintendents do, and and a wonderful sense of humor, and and just over the years, he, he's a really thoughtful guy, and lived right there on the property. And and uh, so that that was always a lot of fun for me to spend time with him. Learned a lot. He hosts sessions for other superintendents i mean for the last number of years where groups of guys would go up there yeah and and get the science behind his mm-hmm. philosophy yeah and i think he's he's aided a number of careers throughout the southeast not yeah. just tennessee georgia but the carolinas florida i mean guys were coming from everywhere one, one of the things i learned about david he was really aggressive and when we had bent greens at the honors and uh, uh everybody else would just just soak them, keep them alive, and he he would he would starve them. And so yeah. the greens were you know firm and fast as they can be for bent. And and I remember the first time I played in a big tournament, the honors. I wasn't a member there yet. It was about 1984, 85, 86. I played the Southern Amateur, and the greens were as firm and fast as I'd ever seen. And and I was talking to David about it, and I said they had to have been rolling 14. And this was years later. Sure. He said they rolled 10 and a half that week. I said there is no way those greens were rolling. They were rolling 13, 14. Nobody had seen greens that fast. He goes, they were rolling 10 and a half. I can show you stint meter, you know, from, from every day. And, and so we got into a broader discussion about how the demands of green speeds um, from, from the golf consumers, whether it's people who play public golf or private golf, they want faster and faster and faster. And, and you know, he would talk about how much that stresses the grass out and how when you get it that tight, there's just not enough. He says, it's, I remember him saying it's like, it's like if you if you can't breathe, you're not going to live. You know, if you cut so much of the plant away, it's not going to be able to do its thing. It's going to die. And and um, that was about the time when everybody started looking at the at the at the new Bermudas. And and um, it, it's pretty neat that we can obtain the speeds that we can with with these ultra dwarfs. And and 
but but I'd always thought that that the greens were really fast back then, and and they just weren't. Ten and a half was super 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 fast. And now, if you don't keep it ten and a half, you pretty much get laughed at, you know. And the and the, and the high end private clubs are thirteen most of the time, and you can't in the south. You just can't do that on bent grass, especially in the summertime. So oh, it was no. neat to you, learn all of that from David. Have you been down to Congaree? I haven't, but I've heard it's really super cool. I, I spoke with Tom Fazio about it. There's a name drop for you. God, Tom <laughs> Fazio is the nicest man ever. Yeah, you know, Tom, Tom Fazio and Reese Jones, I know they compete. Two of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, and, and I, I know Reese better than I know Tom, but, but uh, just super nice people. But last time I ran into Tom, we were at Quail Hollow. I did an interview with him, and he was with his son, and we were talking about Congaree. And, and I've seen the pictures, and I've heard it's really special, and I know what they're doing with, with charity there. And, and I, I want to get over there and have a look at it, but I've heard it's wonderful. Speeds, that's what, when you said that came to mind. There was a 15 reference at one point. Yeah. And, and we had the conversation. Um, but, but see, I don't think that's good because, because if, if, you're, if you're building a golf course, and you want it to be fun and interesting, yeah. And 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 okay, we're going to have greens that are fifteen. Well, you can't if you have any slope in the greens and make them fun and interesting, and they're fifteen. Well, guess there's no place you can put the flag. Well, and so that's the thing. Some of the design elements are so unique because, like, there's a low approach runner to the left, and then you'll have a steep. I swear it was like twelve, fifteen foot bank. Yeah. Where the the green runs to the edge of the bunker. There's no. Yeah. There's not even a collar. Well, and, and that's, you know. And so it's, you fly it in and yeah. it'll hold, or you can run it up, you know what I mean? And, and that's, it's, and it's, that's it's interesting. It's fun, and it works for a golf course that I'm, I'm guessing they probably have 7,500 rounds if, max and a year. And want it to be some yeah. championship, right. et cetera. Uh, I don't know. And if you want to have a PGA Tour event, that's fine. But how many golf courses are actually going to do that? You know, we're, we're at a club here, Heritage, in, in Pauly's Island, that's got some really interesting greens. And and you wouldn't want. I would imagine fast. if you got these greens much over eleven, you know, and you, and you had a normal day of play here, then then you'd be looking at five and a half hour round. And and um, I I'll, think it's and you, people say they want it, but hitting three and four foot comebackers all day long for somebody who has a real job to feed themselves, you know, and they're just playing one day a month. That ain't much fun. No. I heard I'm a, the older I get, the more I'm a fan of greens that have character and movement in them and are interesting to look at. And the turf is very healthy and very firm. I like I, I'd making rather a see firm slower stroke. speeds and firmer turf because it just yeah. it, it and you have to design to accommodate that. But I think it's one of the problems we have in the game: the demand for greens that are super super fast. Yeah. And and you don't and you see it in the summertime all across the southeast where everybody's got got the ultra dwarfs and you know, there's many verde or champion. And if you get a little aggressive in the fall before you get that first frost. You might only have two or three places you can put a flag for yeah. the whole winter, you yeah. know, and 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 it's and it you know when you're hitting that ten foot putt that goes twenty feet past, I hate it. You know, <laughs> it's too fast. I want to be able to hit that comebacker and like hit a normal putt, and not feel like I'm just touching yeah. it and hoping that it doesn't roll on and on and on and on. Yeah. But I bring up Congaree because I'd never heard the term D Green before. D Green. And, I'm familiar with that. I've lived that. Well, I mean, I had two. I didn't know. I played Blowing Rock one time and was above a, a whole a, a whole location about seven feet, and I ended up in a pond, yeah. you know, and it, and it burned the edge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, apparently O'Meara had played and was had degreened like three or four times his first round around uh -huh. and made some comment, and 
I don't even remember what it was, but I'm getting it secondhand from the superintendent down there, and it was something to the effect of, well, um, that's just how it's going to be or something like that, and I, I couldn't fathom it, you know. Yeah. Is it like hyphenated, or is it one word? You I, I don't know. I've only said it. I've never looked it up. Is it like D-E-E green or D-E? <laughs> oh, you can't just put the D hyphen in there, I don't think. D-G-R-E. No, I think it's got to be D-E-G-R-E. green. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. I'm going to check that. How many times has that happened to you? On tour. Ever? Well, tour was so long ago. I'm sure it's happened where I've hit it in a fringe. I don't remember, like yeah. you, putting it into a damn leg. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. I'm not you a good know? golfer. I'm only I'm that seven like your dad. At best, I'm, I'm your dad, okay? I'm that seven. You can take me places and I can hold my okay. own, but we ain't I, winning 750 with I, me. I got you. Um, God, that, what, have you ever chipped on a green? Uh, I'm sure I have. I can't remember a specific example. But never left. Did either. you? You think you um, felt bad about it? No, I didn't feel bad about it. If I'm playing a professional event, and that's the and, only shot and you got, and hosting it, and they put a you know, and there's a lobe on a green, and right. and it's the only way to get there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll repair my divot, but yeah. if the thing is, if you hit a good pitch shot, you don't leave a divot. You know, like right. like Woodland at 17 at hit pebble and went in the u.s open i mean that that was really cool but yeah now if you uh and i know it's the superintendent's nightmare but it's one thing you know if you got guys out playing and you got a whole location there you can have maybe uh i don't think it's a local rule but you can say hey you know don't chip on the green but if, if you're hosting a professional event right you know it's like you have a pga tour event some of the guys are gonna wear metal spikes y'all don't like that either <laughs> you know but but that's what you know that's what they're gonna do not all of them a few of them are do you, you know? ever when's the last time you wore metal spikes and played it's, it's been a long time but i i miss the sound i do of metal too. spikes on concrete you do you know? miss the feel of leather soles after 36 holes no, walking I don't. the thing about shoes um i'm a size 15 oh and, you're a custom and, order yeah and so like the old I, I didn't wear foot joys back then i was johnson murphy guy and i got one pair of johnson murphys a year and then i got one <laughs> pair of dexters that were waterproof and so that's all i had for the whole you know the whole year and those johnson murphy's leather you know they they would they'd probably weigh about 15 pounds each yeah, that's funny yeah that's why i've got these giant laura davies calves from <laughs> from davies having calves. such big 15 oh, you know shoes and wet traditional but uh shoes are a lot better now than they used to be isn't it amazing mm. i got a question here from mr jim huntoon why do you like japanese hibachi food so much damn it's good isn't it yeah. and t- i mean uh, if i had one one day left to eat i'm not gonna say it'd be one meal but if i had one day i could choose breakfast lunch and dinner the lunch would be a hibachi i hear you and, and you think think about this <clears throat> when you go and you get a hibachi meal they make zucchini taste good. You're right. Anybody that can make zucchini taste good, I mean, that's cooking right there. And even those little the little things uh, that look like worms, you know, the uh, bean sprouts, yeah. hell, they can even make bean sprouts taste good. That's one of the few vegetables I ever eat in my life. Uh, bean sprouts, know, if they're getting away. Fried okra? No, I'll eat fried okra. Okay, That'd be right. part of the dinner meal with some fried chicken. <laughs> oh, gosh. But that zucchini, in fact, I, I got my grill at home. I got a Weber grill. I got half of it that is right. hibachi. And if you do, uh, if you do onions and zucchini, you got to have sesame seeds. And it takes all day to pick a sesame seeds off the Big Macs, but it's worth it. <laughs> and you do, and you do that, and you hit it with some garlic butter and soy sauce. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And is... Do shrimp the same way? Uh-huh. Not, yeah. Not shrimp. 
here here in Merle's Inlet, South Carolina, there ain't no H in shrimp. It's S R I M P shrimp. Shrimp on a hibachi grill, right? Man, that's right. living right there. Shrimp. So you have a grill and you live in Merle's Inlet. Why? Uh, <laughs> well, I can do I can do shrimp on the grill and fish on the grill and all. I got a big green egg too. I was so. just trying to give a plug for the seventeen seafood restaurants within what one hundred and eighty steps of your well, house. There's more. There's more than that, and I know most of them. <laughs> So, in fact, if you ever come to Merle's Inn and you're looking for me, you check the dead dog on the marsh walk. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, yeah, is if that, I'm not there, are go you next there? door to the Claw House. I'll be in one of those two places <laughs> most of the time. I actually have uh, stayed at the last motel on the right. The drive up or the Inlet Sports Lodge? The one with the in ground pool right there? Yeah, that's nice right there. <laughs> but let me tell you. I go over there just some days and lay out just my underwear on by the pool. Feel good about yeah. yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's actually not a motel or a hotel, it's a motor court. It was booked via my wife when I played in the member guest at the reserve. Uh huh. Nonetheless, so I couldn't tell people where I was staying, obviously. Yeah, you were the only one staying there yeah. at the reserve. Wasn't a lot of after parties guests. with those. No, I didn't see anyone from the tournament there. No, no. you wouldn't. Tim was no. also no. stayed at Ocean Lakes one time. The campground. Yes. That place is happening. That's he, like the biggest campground on the East Coast or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's good for the beach. I, yeah. think, I think he thought it was like Litchfield by the sea, is what he was <laughs> expecting, and he comes into the. No. Have you have you participated in the mile and a half cart high five at sunset every night? The parade of golf carts at Ocean Lakes that, that yeah. do this and then I have this it, but that'd be on awesome. that road, and everyone has got their own music playing and their own set of fluorescent yeah. lights no. flashing, and you have to high five every kid in the cart that passes you, or you get scolded. I haven't, but you can sign me up for that. I did participate. I'm gonna uh, sub you in the next yeah, time I'll I get invited. It. Hey, the, my the, buddy Charlie will be there. <laughs> He'll film it. It'll be on the show coming up. The, the Christmas sports. parade at Merle's Inlet was was very interesting because uh, it was uh, like all the big pickup trucks and the boats. You know, oh. like uh, everybody they had like a thirty foot offshore boat. They'd load they'd load Santa Claus up on the back, and it, right. it was it was like fifty vehicles in it. And the very end was I think it's our very own fire truck. Santa was in there too. Right. But the interesting thing about it was they were it's the only Christmas parade I've ever been to where they had beer carts out, and uh, you you were sitting there. <laughs> Yeah. Good and time. they were selling tall boys too. Right, right. So that is my kind of Christmas parade right there. Fried um, okra tall boys <laughs> and lights and Christmas music. We always ask, what was the first car you drove? Was that Susu's car? You know, I think it was the 1970 Buick LeSabre with the 20 foot CB yeah. antenna. I upgraded in the uh, drowning people trunk. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave your friend in the Yankees, trunk overnight. Yankee Stay Home bumper sticker on the back. It had an eight track. And yeah. I, the only eight track I had was David Allen Co. and Alabama Christmas album. That's a, that's a, what I grew up on oh, listening to. To Lexington, back and forth to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Charlie, thank you very much for the time today. I appreciate you guys having me. We still got to talk moonshine before you let yep. me go. Yeah, that, well, I was going to ask if you had anything else that our listeners needed to hear about you, upcoming events, the beach. I mean, plug away. Oh, well, I appreciate it. No, the moon, we talked about at the beginning of the moonshine. Uh, I'm talking to folks at Sugarlands Distillery up in uh, – Gatlinburg, and I'm a big fan of moonshiners on Discovery, and and they call me, and they're actually they have a brand new moonshine. It's official. You didn't know this, the official Ryder Cup moonshine, which is Arnold Palmer, mm. uh, and, and and they also will have an official moonshine for the PGA Championship. Call it moonshine. It's a lot of fun. It's a, a 
craft spirit. And and uh, right, so right. Um, been talking to them a little bit, hoping to get them involved in some of the things we're doing here in, in Myrtle Beach. But uh, things, I, things I'm excited about in Myrtle Beach, uh, we've got our podcast um, and Balls in the Air, Charlie Romer podcast. Great Re- podcast. Really. With a Z or an it. S. Thank you. What's that? Balls with a Z or an S. S. Okay. Balls, plural. Yeah, like yeah. golf balls. Golf balls. Gotcha. Like, like what Paige and uses. Can, yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. I'll take any more Bill McDonald stories you want to just shout <laughs> on this I can't, I can't I'm not share. saying I've seen we'll any of that. those. We'll do the whole show on Bill McDonald stories. <laughs> you should. And then uh, the new show on CBS Sports Network that uh, premieres on April 19th. That's Monday night after, uh, actually after uh, Hilton Head. So we're, we're going to do a premiere party at the Dead Dog here at Marsh Walk on the 18th, where I'm going to show the episode. So it'll be on Monday nights, 8 p.m. Really excited about that. Um, you can always find out what's going on uh, here in Myrtle Beach at playgolfmyrtlebeach.com. There's a link to to the things that I'm doing here in town, or also charlierimer.com as well. So we've got a lot of good partners. And, and I, I didn't mention, you guys, I'm, I'm officially an underwear model. Um, I cut a deal <laughs> with two under. You did? So, yeah. Oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah. So if you're interested in getting some underwear, it's it's the best. It'll change heard, your life, folks. I've heard they're good. I yeah. don't own a pair, but I've heard they're good. Yeah, well, if you want to own a pair, you can go to twounder.com. I got a discount code for you, 20% off. We'll C Rhymer twenty. How about that? There you go. And and you'll be happy to know they make them all the way up to size forty eight. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm not gonna tell you what size I am, but I'm um, closer <laughs> a, to the is top. Is it a standard than size pouch per waist? What's or that? Is the pouch size adjustable per waistband? Well, or is the it pouch just a standard size, pouch. The pouch is what really uh, drew me to the product uh, because it has what we call a uh, Joey pouch, right? Which let's just say uh, it's anatomically enhancing. Huh. Uh, <laughs> Which is nice. outstanding, and it's impossible to get to caddy butt wearing two under. Oh, so those two things together oh. make it the most incredible product I've ever run into in my life. Guaranteed streak free. Well, the thing is, we're working on that. The thing is, is if you get two or three pairs of two under, when you get them in and try them, within a week you will have ordered. You'll throw. You'll have thrown out all your old underwear, and you will have ordered in all new two under. That's how good it is, especially so, when you use it with gold bond. I hit yeah. everybody up as our shows right like i've like can i borrow that piece of equipment to do whatever at the you hunt can't club borrow or any whatever. Underwear. i don't <laughs> want to borrow any of your underwear but yeah. you had mentioned moonshine samples coming to your house oh, earlier yeah we got some moonshine so, samples they got they got about 25 skus at uh, sugarland distilleries okay. I, i'm hope i'm hoping i i'm not i'm not like an official partner i'm just a big fan hoping yeah. to be an official partner <laughs> Because it just makes it makes too much sense for right. me not to be. I mean, if you were Moonshine Company, wouldn't you want me to be your partner? Oh, without would. question. Yeah, without yeah, question. Mark and Digger's hazelnut rum. You keep it in the freezer. <laughs> oh my God! You just put it on your lips. And, so you know, I'm convinced <coughs> that whole show is just a marketing ploy. What's that? That whole show, the whole since the day one show. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I get that there was some backwards. It's all been a marketing scheme to launch saleable moonshine in the united well, I states i don't know about that have you ever watched the show since day one i love it i don't oh you know they 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 sell the moonshine but i mean that that's how i found out about it. i'm watching the show but you saw tim in season four try to go legal on the show right yeah and now he's back because his brand's out there right and now he's selling more brands and all these like you just talked about i'm a Martin. fan of it oh, i love happy. the show you're 21 or older it makes you happy. i have a 12 year old <laughs> who can run a still and he just because he watches the show i'm not afraid to admit that yeah yeah we don't have a spot for him yet but we're getting there <laughs> so anyways package the um the moonshine samples when you send them back to pulling weed central okay. um in some new two under 
then that will be padded, and so that way we can get samples. You'll both. have all you need. You can walk around your front yard with nothing but two under on, drinking some some Mark and Diggers hazelnut rum, and and that, and you'll be happy as hell doing oh, that. Uh, get, Jimmy, tell him a couple weeks best underwear yard model in the upstate. I'm gonna have some stripes. We may do a checker. We may do a chessboard. That's fine. So I'm just saying, if you want a, a model in the front yard, well, I, that's the whole reason I did. I'm not like I'm getting any money from these people. I just did it so I can call myself an underwear model. <laughs> well, come on up to the house and we'll let you model in my front yard then, and let all the neighbors talk because my right, neighbor is the owner of Six and Twenty Distillery, our South Carolina one with the Carolina cream. Yeah, that's that? good too. It, yeah, it, he's right across the street. Yeah, yeah, and there's a South Carolina moonshine called Sugar Tit as well. That's pretty good too. Their billboards are great. Yeah, yeah. That's why I remember them. We need to get some general managers out there and start carrying sugar tit at their fancy clubs. <laughs> That'd be great. And advertising it in costume. Uh-huh, yeah. That would be great. Uh, oh, gosh. Are we ending on that? I think we're going to end on that one. <laughs> Thank you very much, Charlie. All right, appreciate episode two, you guys. coming back later. Thank you, Charlie Reimer. Thank you for listening to Pullin' Weeds Off Course. To join the Carolinas GCSA and become a member, visit carolinasgcsa.org or call 1-800-476-4272. Follow us on Twitter at Pullin' underscore Weeds and on Facebook at Pullin' Weeds Podcast. <laughs>